Yeah, I've never gotten the impression that uh, Jackie Chan was like a particularly pro party guy. Yeah, but I've never really gotten the um, impression that he's particularly political either. Yeah, there is that. Welcome to What's the Deal, the Seinfeld review show that's honestly a very big deal. Each week we dissect every episode of Seinfeld in chronological order. With me today, as always, is Christopher Young. Hello. And Patrick Armstrong. Mm-hmm. I'm Cameron Wong, and this is episode 42. And today we'll be looking at season four, episode three, The Pitch. Play ball. Mm-hmm. See what I did there at the the pitch? I hear someone say play ball, and I think of Christmas Vacation. (laughs) Uh, It's a hell of a movie. It's a great movie. I can't believe John Hughes... I just found out recently that John Hughes wrote those movies. Yeah, I remember you and I talking about that. Yeah. He wrote so many movies he didn't direct. And he just, like, went off a cliff. Home Alone 3? Baby's Day Out? You mean a cliff of being really good? (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Uh, I think it's because Molly Ringwald dumped him. How are you doing today, aside from uh, the Molly Ringwald problem? Got Molly Ringworm. Um... (laughs) 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 What are the symptoms of Molly Ringworm? Uh, It's it's itchy. It's red. And... uh, I, I can't. I constantly just just look for for leg warmers everywhere I go. I can't. I can't help it. Emilio, <laughs> this is our best show ever. It's really off to a great start. Yeah, I'd much rather get Ali Sheedy VD than Molly Ringworm. Ugh. Why did you add the V in there? Wouldn't it just be Ali Sheedy? I think no. the I think the joke would be too subtle. Then I don't think I would. That's right. That. Like I would not get it. Well, I don't think you're going to get it, Chris. I don't know. Well, I mean, I think I think she's she's a little old for me, Cameron. Although she was really cute in War Games. She was better looking in War Games than she was in Breakfast Club. Agreed. No, she was she was great in both. I don't like Breakfast Club. I mean. It's I don't not. like any of the Molly Ringwald ones. And I love me some war games. Any Molly Ringwald movies at all? I don't like Pretty in Pink. I don't like Sixteen Candles. That's all of them. The Breakfast Club? Yeah, I don't like that one. You know, Chris, do you know there's a band called Molly Ringworm? I bet they suck. How are you today, Chris? Pretty good. Um, my first day of class today. It was nice. Never too late to start. Uh, no, no. Thinking about dropping out of school, so that's good. Nice. You know what you should do if you drop out of school? West Coast. Yeah. No, it doesn't happen. What? Yeah. If I if I if I drop out of school, I'll move back probably. Oh yeah, yeah. Of course. I thought you were saying it wouldn't happen. No, it would happen. I miss the air. All right. I miss the air. Down in Africa. No, that's not right. Um, but I do miss the fresh air. 
Me too. Yeah. Yeah. I would probably miss my girlfriend. She lives here, but she doesn't even listen to this show. Well, my girlfriend doesn't listen to the show either. I mean, mine does. Does Zoe really listen? Yeah. Hi, Zoe. I'll tell her. I'll, you say, I'll say hi, Emily, too, in case that makes her. She won't listen. Well, Patrick, Patrick will be like, Emily, Emily, listen to this part of our show this week. Yeah. No. Nope. Where I'm like, she won't. how's it going, Emily? All right. She won't listen to Thanks it. Thanks for listening. Thank, thank you for listening. Patrick Armstrong, how are you today? <laughs> I'm good. Um, what 80s uh, teenage movie star, early 20s starlet disease do you have? Um, I'm trying to think of an early 80s movie starlet that's not Ellie Sheedy or Molly Ringwald. Jennifer Connelly. She's not 80s. What are you she's like about? a 90. She's like a 90s star. She was in Labyrinth. Oh, but she was like a little girl in Labyrinth. Don't ruin Labyrinth for me, Patrick. <laughs> I uh, mean, with how clever Chris was, you could just name any 80s star and then just say a disease at the end. Uh, I've got Winona Ryder whooping cough. Oh, that one's pretty good. She's also 90s, though. No, she's not. No, Heather's. Uh, Heather's, Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice was 90s. No, it wasn't. It wasn't. Because Beetlejuice was before Batman, and Batman was 89. Oh, well, Beetlejuice was, in its heart, a 90s movie. That makes no sense. For what it's it's worth, Beetlejuice came out in 1988. Yeah. I think Heather's was maybe 86, 87. So what's the disease? I got a Catherine O'Hare cut. Brutal. <laughs> that's not a disease. I don't know. You I do have nice it. hair, like Patrick. But when we, when when I was visiting you, as soon as we were out of earshot, my girlfriend's like, "Your friend Patrick has perfect hair." Wow. She said that. She's in love with my hair. I know. We had a big fight about it. Well, my <laughs> my hair and her had a big fight about it. Mm. I was mostly, you know. Oh, okay. Just, wait, wait. I got one. Gina Davenjitis. It's good. I mean, I don't know who I'm to talk. I'm the one that said Ali Sheedy VD. I didn't even try. I didn't even try and do the pun. Cameron, how are you doing? I've got Leah Thompson pneumonia. Nice. (laughs) I mean, come on, though. Seriously, Back to the Future? Leah Thompson? Yeah. She's she's a babe. Yeah. And you know what? First, first, um, uh, what's his girlfriend? Because she got recast with Elizabeth Shue. Mm-hmm. What was the, the first one was cuter. Because Elizabeth Shue kind of had some baby fat back then. She had the, some of that karate kid sort of frump going on in the first, or in the, in the, in the Back to the Future movies, you know? It wasn't until like Adventures and Babysitting. That she got pretty pretty attractive, and then like leaving Las Vegas, yeah. I'm trying to remember what uh, what was her name? What was this girlfriend's name? Jennifer. Yeah. Jennifer. Yeah. Jennifer. Claudia, Claudia yeah. Wells. Yeah, Claudia Wells. Wow, what the a fruitful career she had. She was in Back to the Future, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and she did the voice of Jennifer in the Back to the Future video game. Well, okay. 
Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm sure that's what she tells herself every night. I mean, after 1986, her next movie was in 2008. Okay. Mm-hmm. Took a hiatus. Yeah, she spent time to work on her own stuff. Yeah. Anyhow, uh, yeah, I'm doing all right, Patrick. Thanks for asking. Mm-hmm. Just taking it easy, relaxing. I played Wii Fit today, of all things. Wow. How'd that feel? Uh, pretty good. I mean, right now, I actually have to have the microphone suspended from the roof because otherwise my massive muscles were blocking it. Mm-hmm. Wise decision. What uh, exercises were you doing on Wii Fit? Oh, all sorts of sorts of kinds. I did uh, some yoga, did some jackknifes. Uh, I did some sort of thing where it's supposed to simulate skateboarding, except it's nothing like skateboarding at all. Mm-hmm. All that, all that good stuff. You know what I did today? I did that seven-minute workout thing that was like all a rage like a month or two months ago. How long did it take? About seven minutes. <laughs> okay. I, I actually have that seven-minute workout app on my phone. I, I haven't done it though. It's kind of awful because you're supposed to do it at like. 80% of your maximum intensity like if you're having a Santori whiskey and so it's it's pretty it's pretty tiring and awful hmm. I mean it's over in seven minutes which is a nice part but those seven minutes they're not pleasant you know Chris Patrick and I have been playing uh, an online game together and not just pool what's that we've been playing Monaco you ever heard of this I've heard of the place well, it's you, a heist game. You you rob a bank. It's like Ocean's Eleven, but multiplayer. Oh. So you're invited if you ever want. I don't know how good I'd be robbing a bank. All right. So, yeah. in this week's episode, The Pitch, Jerry is offered an opportunity to pitch a television pilot to NBC. George gloms on to the idea in an attempt to pull himself out of the empty void that is his life. (laughs) And Elaine has one scene. Joe Davola, he's crazy. So before we dive uh, right into this week's episode, I encourage all of our listeners, as always, to head over to whatsthedealshow.com, where you can see all the show notes for today's episodes, or single episode, I suppose, and perhaps a little drawing from Chris Young. It's debatable. Patrick Armstrong, take us in. First of all, yes. you didn't put the photo. You didn't put the drawing that I did for the last one up on the site. Well, talk talk to Patrick about that. That's that's not me. Well, I wasn't sure because it was related to the previous episode. No, it wasn't the Which... Lion King? Oh, was did you put that on Glassboard? Yeah. No, he didn't put it on Glassboard. Oh, I did it through Skype chat, didn't I? Yeah. Well, so I we'll wreck on it. We'll, fig- we'll fix this. Yeah. This, this can be, be fixed. Edited out. Um, okay. So, yeah. So the episode, as many do, started out with a monologue. This week's target, the Amish. Easy target. <laughs> sacred for uh, Jerry Seinfeld. Uh, and, uh, this week Jerry compares being Amish to just being like a kid. Cause it's the same. Cause you got no car. <laughs> that's he basically got... the joke, right? Like, I, that's I the like... joke of the monologue. Well, the joke is that you punish children by making them Amish. 
And I don't feel like you can really follow through on that threat unless you make them raise a barn or something. Like a little bit of no TV isn't really super Amish. Yeah, you, you, turn, make up, them you turn, turn out better. all their lights. Yeah. You make them maybe like, you know, cook that pizza pop in the fireplace. <laughs> no microwave. <laughs> how how rustic. I know. Just like the, the Amish, Amish do. do. Love, the Amish do love pizza pops. Any sort I of like mean, it's in the food. Bible. They're always taking their cart into town with their yeah. horses, their horse cart, stopping off at the at the convenience store. Yeah. Picking up some pizza pops. Yeah. Well, you always see them riding back into town with the back of the wagon just loaded up with pizza pops. You know, you know what else As, they love? I I feel like maybe we're treading on thin ice here talking about the stereotype of Amish always eating pizza pops. Is this oh, is this racist? Are you kidding me, Patrick? What, are, are they are the Amish listening to our podcast? Have they have they created some sort of like makeshift wooden internet device what they about can the res- Amish what about the Amish that are on uh, Rumspringer or whatever that thing is called where they like when they're 18 and they go off for a year into the wilderness yeah those kids like, are into cool. the city they're out smoking and doing drugs all right they're cool with us yeah and listening the, to this podcast yeah all the other Amish people that would be offended they're like churning butter right now all right they're getting their donkeys to, to so when they go stuff. back into the when they go back to the fold, they'll be telling them a better podcast. Yeah, screw them. The Amish, the least threatening people ever. They got those. The Amish. They got those beards. Oh, the Amish are coming. Oh, no. Um, so <laughs> the I first mean, scene. Maybe that... put up a screen door or something. and It'll baffle them with their cloak of invisibility. Um, so that, the episode starts with, uh, Jerry and George in the bar at, uh, the comedy club that, that Jerry's Where's doing the show. Where's this of invisibility coming from? Like a screen door. A screen door would confuse the hell out of the Amish. It's like... They're not stupid. Uh, well, they're, they're Amish. religious. Okay, well, they're Amish. And, you know, you put up the screen door and they don't understand that technology. All they know is that there's a barrier... Like a force field. I like how in Chris's world, like the Amish have never even like encountered glass or something. Uh, I like that in Chris's world, the Amish don't know what a screen door is, but know what a uh, know what a force field is. Well, they watch Star Trek. You know, well, they huddle. They huddle in the town square <laughs> to see the. the so the... in the bar, uh, so Jerry and George are in the bar at a comedy club. Uh, and they're talking about what toilet paper was like in the 1860s. Yeah, the the worst the worst thing ever because the world without toilet paper is a horrible, awful place. I've wondered this myself. How did civilization even like? Do they talk about this in the Bible? Don't think it's covered. Really? Mm. Hmm. I mean, I know back in the day, people used to rip, like, sheets out of magazines. But magazines what? weren't in the I feel like I feel like toilet paper predated magazines. Maybe they used the Bible. Are you sure? I think there was something about, like, using toilet paper, like, magazines as toilet paper. 
I think Cameron's right. What about right, before actually. magazines? What about before the printed word? People didn't poo. That's probably it. Um, so Jerry and George are having this inane conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Jerry and George are having this inane conversation, and then like a guy from one. a guy from NBC comes up and. Uh, wants to speak to Jerry. He's interested in doing something with him. Pretty exciting. Girl, so, excited. Pre-toilet paper, you know, <laughs> grass, leaves, fur. I don't know what sort of people are just using fur, but... Uh, Rich people. Mussel shells, corn cobs. Uh, Apparently, the Greeks used stones and pieces of clay. Romans used sponges on the end of sticks. That's pretty good, actually. Uh, and they'd keep them in jugs filled with salty water. <laughs> I guess uh, the salt stops bacteria from growing. Yeah, it let's cures hope. it, you know. Let, let's hope so. <laughs> make, make, some, make some jerky. So, why, the, why do you think I became a vegetarian? The first true toilet paper, uh, we're looking 14th century China, uh, where they printed paper for it. Really? It took 1,400 years. Well, don't forget, don't forget the, like, you gotta go, like, pre-common era. So, okay, (laughs) let's let's, let's, let's just go from, like, you know, Jesus onward. Okay. It took 14 centuries. Just because the math is easier. <laughs> that's uh, yes, obviously, and because that's when, you know, that's when shame, you know, started. It's in the Bible. Like I that was you know, the Garden of Eden. Listen, okay, I went to Catholic <laughs> school, and what happened was there was Jesus on the planet, and that toilet paper was, and there. his like girlfriend talked to that snake. And the snake said, you know, eat the apple. And Jesus' girlfriend was like, no, I don't want to do it. But he convinced her. And then she ate the apple. And then she had to, you know, do her business. And that's where that's where poo comes from. Speaking of bad ideas. Uh, <laughs> what I like George, is that before, before we start had... recording this show, Zoe gave me another business topic. And it had a slight religious bent. I was like, you know... So I don't think we can use that. We kind of like go out of our way to try to not talk about religion on the show. Um, <laughs> hey, yeah. Amish. Hope you and like the so, show. And Good so barn. George has a terrible idea. He has a couple. George has a couple terrible ideas. One, that the show should be Jerry hosts a gymnastic team and is pushing his son into gymnastics. And the other is that Jerry runs an antique store and Jerry gets involved in people's lives. Now, I actually have to admit, George comes up with these bad TV show ideas pretty impressively quickly, but they're like so average. I bet I bet one of those shows could be made into a pilot. Absolutely. I feel like the antique store one. Uh, see, I feel like the, the gymnastics one. Like, I feel like the writers of Seinfeld were like, what do we get? And they just went digging through rejected pilots. Yeah, actually, I wouldn't be surprised if these were, like, two pilots that people who worked on the show had come up with and were like, I'll just put this idea in there. That got rejected. 
Um, so uh, the next scene, we're in the apartment. Kramer and Jerry are hanging out. And Kramer's very excited about this TV idea. Very excited. Uh, one of the ideas he has is that Jerry's in a circus and there are lots of freaks. And the show is mostly about watching freaks. Everyone it's loves a bad a idea. Now, I mean, it's barely things, an idea. The problem here is that it's NBC and not TLC. You pitch this show to TLC, you know, they buy three seasons. But TLC was still educational in the early 90s. Yeah, you're it shows about, about physics and Copernicus. No, it was it was reality shows about Honey Boo Boo then too. Honey Boo Boo is 25 years old. That's what's so disturbing about that kid. It's a weird disease. So <laughs> now I, I have two comments about this scene. Number one uh, about the set dressing here. Do you guys notice how shabby Jerry's apartment looks? Um, I didn't notice, actually. It looks really run down. I like the later seasons when they have enough budget to, like, apply a new coat of paint to the apartment. Maybe Jerry just had a bender. <laughs> Maybe. But, like, just the walls don't look very fresh or anything like that. I think what it is is that it's the fourth season of a TV show, and they've been, like, moving walls, putting stuff up and down and whatever, and it's gotten really dirty, and they just don't have the budget to freshen up the set yeah uh the other thing i want to say is that kramer's idea about freaks sadly is like the best thing he comes up with (laughs) like of all the things that someone could come up with for an idea that he was just like obsessed with like a circus sort of like sideshow i kind of got the feeling that this was an idea that kramer had thought up like years before and has just been waiting for the opportunity to talk about it finally um, and then they produced Freaks and Geeks. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and so they're discussing this, and then Newman's coming up because he uh, he wants to do a trade with uh, with Kramer, and Jerry gives a like the iconic like hello Newman. Well, I, I'm not good at imitating it. Don't you guys do it? Chris can do it. Chris? Um, hello, Newman? No. No? Is okay, this... how, about, how, about, how about this? How about this? How about this? Uh, hello, Newman. That's it. Is That's this close? the first, is this the first time Jerry says hello, Newman? Um, I don't think so. Doesn't he say it in um, the episode where the guy's in a coma? Mm, does he? I think he does. Hmm. What's the name of that episode? Coma Newman. Girlfriend in a coma? Newman. I don't know. Hello there, Newman. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, Newman wants to trade his... uh, his... We got Dodds in here. (laughs) Newman wants to trade his... Nobody cares motorcycle helmet for Kramer's uh, uh, radar detector. He does indeed say hello Newman in the suicide episode. Sorry to interject. That's okay. And so 
Newman never had a motorcycle, but his girlfriend did. And we also learned that his girlfriend was pretty wild. Oh, yeah. Um, I think that line is really great, especially like the delivery, because I don't think someone would say she was pretty wild like that. Like, I don't think a real person would ever say that. But at the same time, it's really great. And uh, I love it. Yeah, it's like an amazing boast to add on to, especially when it's like clearly a fake girlfriend. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I got this girl I'm seeing up in Canada. And let me tell you, she's pretty. Wild. <laughs> she could be real. She could yeah. be wild. Newman might have had a wild girlfriend. Maybe she dated uh, Newman just to upset her, like her real boyfriend, you know? I think if Newman had a wild girlfriend, we're entering into the territory that she just means she's feral. <laughs> feral. Fair. Like she, See, the, she the was raised by wolves is, or something. Yeah. Yeah. The problem is you're associating with wild with like sexy wild. And I mean, she could, but she could just, she could very well be just wild and extremely unattractive. In which case this whole thing becomes plausible because, you know, Newman, Postman, Newman. Yeah, but. Uh, do you not remember what his girlfriends look like on the show? They're always very beautiful. Yeah, he, he dates stunning women. Beautiful, beautiful women. Yeah, they're probably pretty boring, you're right. <laughs> um, so, and then there's like a, like a Chekhov's gun planted in this episode where um, we see that the lie detector that Kramer trades uh, uh, rad- does Radar not detector. Work. Radar detector. What did I say? Radar gun? Lie detector. You said, you, said Chekhov's, you said Chekhov's gun. Chekhov's gun. What did I say? You said Chekhov's gun. And I started thinking about Star Trek. I don't know what's going on right now. Yeah, I'm actually so, not sure what a Chekhov's gun is either. No. So that's the thing where in a TV show or a movie where they like introduce something that like, well, for example, a gun or something and like specifically mention it. There's like a rule in screenwriting that like later on, like that thing has to be used and has to be a big plot point. Is this from Star Trek? No, it's like Chekhov, like the playwright. Oh, list. Anton Chekhov. Yeah. Anyway, um, so yeah, they plant the seed that... Is it a nuclear vessel? <laughs> plant the seed <laughs> that uh, this, this uh, radar detector doesn't work. So the next scene... We're in the coffee shop, Jerry and George, and we learned that Elaine is in London with her psychologist or psychiatrist. Which Isn't seems, she in uh, Paris? Uh, Paris. I think she's in London and Paris. I think oh, that's she goes, right. Um, and which, I mean, seems unethical on the part of the psychiatrist. Um, uh, how? I feel like dating your patients is unethical. Why? Uh, you know them so well. You know yeah, the stuff I mean, they like. You know the stuff they don't like. Okay, you know how to get right into their heads, so it's easy to in, it's easy to win arguments. You're right. Okay, Chris, Someone... let's let's do this right now. Patrick's lying down on on the leather sofa. Yeah. 
and you've yeah. decided it's time to make your move. You want to date him. Let- cool. Okay, so what do you do? Wait, can what I start? Do? Yeah, you can yeah. start. Yeah. So, uh, I've just been kind of feeling like there's there's no reason to keep doing the things I keep doing. Like, why should I do anything? You know? Well, you know how we discussed that you constantly seek the approval of your mother who can't give that to you anymore now that she's dead? Mm-hmm. Well, I, I, I think I know my professional opinion. What she would really like you to do is date a psychiatrist. This is awful. <laughs> Done. See? That is awful. <laughs> so that's probably how it went. Uh, <laughs> um, and so we learned that. I had to cut that out of the episode. What? That part was so good. No, no. I'm saying they had to cut that part out of the episode. Why? They cut that scene. Oh, I see. I, I see. I see. Yes, 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 yes. Um, so, yeah, uh, we learned that, <laughs> which excuses Elaine not being in many of these episodes. I would be gentle, uh, Patrick. <laughs> and then Jerry and George have this bit where they complain that salsa is not on the table, even though it's the number one con number one comment they complain that it's not on the table even though it's the number one condiment in america and then uh they talk about uh, how it must be confusing with seltzer and salsa you know seltzer, salsa. every time i watch salsa. this episode i actually think how much i would love some salsa at the table at a restaurant sometimes at a breakfast place they'll have a little salsa that's nice i've never seen that I yeah, if they have, like, a huevos franchos or something on their menu, they'll have yeah, a but, salsa. But it comes with salsa. There's no salsa just for your, your leisure, just sitting there. Sometimes. I think salsa needs to be refrigerated. You can't just have salsa on the table. Well, I would like free salsa available to me in the restaurant. Like, I, any meal, I want salsa available to me. I'd love that. Throw you it know, on an I, omelet, throw it on some potatoes. I love to say salsa. Um, salsa? Salsa. Yeah, I'd love some salsa. Salsa? salsa? Seltzer. Seltzer. Um, and so this talking, George is excited and says this should be the show. The show is just Jerry's life. It's about nothing. I like that George tells him to, quote, forget the story. <laughs> There's no story. I like how dedicated George gets to the cause of this idea. Well, as far as I can tell, here we are four seasons in. George still doesn't have a job. That's right. So he sees this. I mean, dollar signs are rolling. And he knows he doesn't have much to contribute. So he's got to at least be enthusiastic about what he's talking about. But why? Like once he's on board... Why doesn't he just roll with whatever then? I feel like it's just his his pride in general. I don't think it's that he he's uh, like being avarice. No, I don't know. 
Um, well, anyway, I think, Jerry. Well, I think. I think he also really likes the idea that he's funny. Like, I mean, you could see it in the in the in the like when he's pitching like the gymnastics and stuff like that. That he thinks he has great ideas, and the fact that he gets any traction whatsoever with Gary on this, he just he rolls right away with it. I love the people who are convinced that they have like great ideas, but don't have the means to do anything. They're like the sort of people where it's like if they knew like a writer or something, they'd be like, I got this great idea for a book. I'll tell you what it is, and then we'll split the profits. <laughs> and that's kind of I like George's of this... take on this whole thing, because, you know, he's like, when he just kind of weasels his way into being a part of the pitch, and Jerry's like, but you're not a writer. And George just like scoffs at it. He's like, come on, writer, what writer? It's a sitcom. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but yeah. I mean, like, the best is later, though, when he goes up to those girls. Is this in this, in this episode or later episode? When he goes to those girls, and he's like, actually, I'm a, oh, I'm a writer for, for NBC. And they just laugh at him. They're like, you tried to pick us up with that? Um, so Jerry's on board with this idea. And uh, then back in the apartment, he's trying to get Kramer on board with the idea of a character based on him. Kermit doesn't like this one bit. Well, he does like it, but only in one certain uh, specific scenario. Well, if he gets to play Kramer. (laughs) But that's right out. Can you imagine having Kramer on your set? Nightmare. Why? Uh, Do you feel like he would take direction well? He'd be be lots of fun. (laughs) Um... From what I understand, Michael Richards is a consummate professional. Um, so Newman Burson, he's very upset that the radar detector didn't work. You got a ticket, a speeding ticket. Do you guys uh, understand how the radar detector is supposed to work, how that technology works? I didn't look it up intentionally, so I could ask you. I know that uh, my father had one, and it bleeped and blooped like R2-G2 constantly and never seemed to work. So radar is just a kind of radio, right? Yeah. And so it's a receiver that receives that kind of radio. So if there's someone using a radar gun, then your radar detector bleeps and bloops. And then you know that someone is like up ahead is checking for speed and you can slow down. But isn't like a radar gun a very focused sort of like shot of radio waves? I feel like the radar detector is fairly sensitive and picks up like any amount of radar. So if it's pretty far ahead, like if they're scanning like a car, like, like, you know, half a mile in front of you or something, it'll, it'll alert you. See, cause that was why I was always confused. Cause I felt like, how could it possibly detect the radar until it was pointed directly at you essentially? Yeah. I mean, I feel like it wouldn't. It wouldn't be anything if if that was the case. Like there would be no reason for it to exist. You're getting a ticket. That's what I would say. <laughs> um, and now that's so, an invention. Uh, Kramer's got a great line here when Newman wants to switch back. He says, "You better think again, Mojumbo." Yeah. I don't know what a Mojumbo is. I feel like maybe it's offensive, but. Uh, 
I liked uh, I liked uh, Kramer's uh, delivery here. I like that uh, you know Jerry gives Newman the old empty the cave. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Caveat emptor. <laughs> That's um, a, an inside uh, Archie reference. Yeah, it's like a 1970s Archie comic reference. Pick I do up not your, get any Archie comic references. You just got to go to your local grocery store or corner store, pick up no. an Archie Double Digest. No. And then keep doing that for 10 years. No. And then you will have read all of the Archie comics. For instance, I, I don't know if I like Betty or Veronica better. You guys? It's the eternal question. No one knows. What? No, I bet one of you knows. Yeah, it's definitely Betty. Cameron? Yeah, it's, 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 it's Betty. Okay. I mean, Veronica, she's going to make you miserable. She's also going to make you rich. That's true. Oh, really? Hold on. Let's just do... Let's just, let's just Google this right now. Because I know one of them's redhead, one of them's brunette, right? But I don't know which one's which. No, one. the no. redhead is Cheryl Blossom. One of them is a brunette and one is a blonde. All right, let's just take a look. Betty's the blonde. They Well, I mean, their faces are exactly drawn exactly the same. The only difference is their hair. So really? if you're just if you're just thinking about looking at the art, it's not going to help you. I mean, I am well, looking not, at the art. It's not one to one, but it, they're very similar. It's like there's really almost no difference. They both have very fit bodies. This is getting weird. Uh, so. <laughs> well, let me uh, let me talk to you guys about this right now, okay? So I've popped Betty, Veronica, and Cheryl all into uh, Google Trends. Now, Betty just outpaces Veronica at, at almost every at every point. Which one's Betty? Betty's the blonde. Okay. But in a brief period in 2010, Cheryl Blossom just shoots up ahead. Like right over top. Uh, wasn't that? there a Cheryl Blossom movie or something? I'm not sure. I mean, most of the Cheryl stuff is trending because of Cheryl Cole. I wonder what Cheryl Cole did in 2010. <laughs> this uh, is our best episode ever. Okay. So, uh... I'm not lying. I'm just looking at pictures of Betty and Veronica... And they're all in bikinis. And I didn't even search for Betty and Veronica bikinis. It just came up, all right? And I don't know which one I'd pick. Uh, well, because okay. Betty's the all-American girl, right? She's a which sweet one's, apple which, pie. Which one's Betty? The blonde. Okay. And she really loves Archie. Okay. And then there's Veronica, who is... The sexy, sassy, sort of like rich debutante, yeah. uh, very wealthy, who yeah. likes Archie, but she's a bit flim-flammy, you know? She's, she could be a bit of a man-eater, so to speak. Okay. That sounds good. All right, so... And then there's Cheryl Blossom, who is also rich, a redhead, and from some other town. And she kind of likes Archie, but, you know, she's, she's a bit like Veronica. I think she's a rock star, too. No, I, I think, think I'm going with Josie. Veronica. I mean, it does speak volumes about you, Chris, that you've selected Veronica. <laughs> um, Why? 
Uh, ask your psychologist on your date. So at NBC, Jerry and George hanging out in the lobby. George is super nervous. He wants to bail. Uh, on the doll where Veronica touched you. Uh, Jerry insists there's nothing to worry about. But George says they're men with jobs. And that's, that alone is something to worry about. The way he says men with jobs. Yeah, it's just so awful. great. Yeah. yeah, it's some good Jason Alexander. Uh, but George has calmed down because there will be water in the meeting room. And he's pretty impressed with that. Yeah, he does like seem overly happy about the water. It calms him right down. What's with the forest green jacket? Uh, it's been a while since we talked about Seinfeld fashion. Because he looks like a golfer. He does. He looks like, but but he looks like a pro golfer, the proest golfer, because of the green jacket. The most professional golfer there is. I know, the tigerest of woods. Very nice. Um, <laughs> How about Joe Davola in this scene? Yeah, so crazy Joe Davola pops in, and he does seem really crazy. I didn't remember this scene at all. Uh, and like, for example, when Jerry wants to, offers to shake his hand, Joe Davola says, "You're under no obligation to shake my hand." That's uh, weird. Yeah, he's so wide-eyed and crazy. Uh, and then Jerry blows it and spills the beans that Kramer's holding a party, and Joe is pretty upset. Um, as, he, as he would be. Yeah, it's 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 upsetting. He does seem really crazy. Like, it's hard to tell whether he's dangerous just from that, but uh, I he think does definitely dangerous. he does definitely seem crazy. Seems unhinged. Um. Yeah, and so so that happens, and then the pitch. Uh they're there in there, and George starts out so confident. He interrupts Jerry when he starts to uh, explain what the show is about. But you know, he gets some he gets some tough questions. For example, has George written anything that uh, the NBC guys might know? Do you guys remember what uh, George wrote? It was off off Broadway. Mm-hmm. La cucina. It's about a chef. Pepe the chef. <laughs> so funny. Uh, yeah, he's making tamales on stage, right? Mm-hmm. The whole thing. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so George explains the show's about nothing. He just loves the conceptual purity. Jerry tries to save the pitch. They don't seem to be having it. Show about nothing isn't anything. But here's the thing. It's like, George doesn't really sell it. It's George, about nothing. George just starts to, like, get his back up almost immediately. And when he tries to spell Russell's last name, it's, like, the worst thing that he could possibly do. Mm-hmm. Like, he hates him so much. Why is this all suddenly a thing where George tries to guess the spelling of people's last names 
because he's, he's got feeling a lot of free time. He's been unemployed for a long time, and he needs to feel good about something. Yeah, but yeah. they've tried to. They've brought this up twice in this episode, and I feel like it's well, not first, something that ever came up previously. That's why they do it twice. The first time, and I know they establish it, but a, I mean, like, it's weak. I, I didn't weak. think it was that bad. It's weak. Tiebreaker, um, Patrick. I don't know. I'm not sure. It's it's weird. Uh, it seems very George-like, though. I don't know. And that's the thing. It like totally seems to fit my image of what George would claim that he's good at. Like it's a total him thing. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah. So basically, the pitch is blown. Jerry and George are having coffee later, and Jerry he really lays into George. Uh, George doesn't seem to realize how badly it's gone. Or maybe he does, but he just kind of says that the woman in the pitch was cute. (laughs) It is such a perfect line because Jerry speaks to him for so long. Jerry is tearing a strip off him for so long. He's like talking about how like he needs to get involved at the university level, like where he can get real help, like where Freud studied. Uh, that like George needs the same sort of treatment they gave the elephant man, and he's just nonstop. And then George just so meekly is just kind of like, thought the woman was kind of cute. But to <laughs> he be doesn't fair, a lot of women. He does end up dating, then becoming engaged to, then killing that woman. Woman. So really, George has kind of got it going on here. George is doing something right. I mean, but. She breaks up with him at the end of the season, and she doesn't come back for years. Really? Is it years? Mm-hmm. Well, George plays the long game. He does. I mean, I don't know if it's deliberate, if it's planned. Uh, but yeah. No, 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 no. In that meeting, in that meeting, he thought to himself, one day, I'm going to poison that woman with cheap envelopes. Thus completing the circle. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so... Let me ask you guys. Jerry says that it's completely inappropriate for George to date Susan. Do you agree or disagree? Disagree. I I don't think it's inappropriate for George to date her, but I think it's inappropriate for her to date him. Like, it's on her. Oh, because she's she's in the position of authority here, and he's like the the one like kind of under her thumb. So he's gonna sleep his way up a little bit. I feel or like so you're on your own here, Chris. <laughs> uh, Be the cave. <laughs> um. So yeah. Uh, meanwhile, Jerry is kind of fretting about this Joe Devola thing, while George is contemplating calling Susan. Um, and so they, they fight to get the phone and then there's a pretty funny cut. I think the only funny cut with, uh, the psychiatrist Mm -hmm. where it cuts to the psychiatrist. They're kissing in front of the Eiffel tower with Elaine. He thinks of 
his patient. Wonder if he's taking his meds. Elaine doesn't seems kind of irritated by this whole thing, but uh, it's pretty great. It's a hell of a hotel room they've got, eh? Yeah, fancy. Nice view. What do you think it costs to get a hotel room with a perfectly centered view of the Eiffel Tower? It depends. It depends if your hotel room is in L.A. or not. <laughs> in front of like a... Like, I like how the, the psychiatrist, he just looks so much like Bishop from Aliens. Like, in the middle of them kissing, I just expect the queen's, like, tail to slice through him. And he starts just, like, spewing white blood. Mm -hmm. Probably not going to happen. It's probably budgetary reasons they didn't do that. Um, I think you're right. (laughs) So, back in the apartment, Jerry kind of lets Kramer know what happened. That he blurted it out. It's, uh, Kramer's a little upset, obviously. And then there's this weird thing that they've done a couple times before where Jerry answers the phone. Some guy from TMI is asking about long distance, uh, and Jerry asks if he could get his home number and says he doesn't want to get the telemarketer says he doesn't want to get called at home. Jerry's like, yeah, that would be real invasive, huh? And then... Hangs up the phone. And there's hoots from the audience. This I don't was know a you thing guys... in the 90s. You know, it's, I, it's... I really hate this when they do this in Seinfeld when, like, Jerry has some particular, or, like, I guess one of the writers has some particular axe to grind, and there's, like, a cutout that's totally detached from the rest of the episode. I don't know. Oh, it's funny. Because I think it's no good. I assumed it was absolutely Jerry's axe to grind. Um... And I know what you mean, Patrick. It just takes of... me right out of the episode. I feel like it should be part of the monologue or something, you know? Yeah, it's just, it's so clearly just like, let's just take a moment so that Jerry can have a little power trip. Um, I don't really get it. I occasionally laugh at them. Though. Like, I remember in the day thinking this was funny. I think part of it is it's so dated that regardless of, you know, why they did this, this is such a dated problem. Oh, telemarketers that. Although, to be fair, the telemarketing issue has always been way worse uh, in the States than it is here in Canada. Yeah. Uh, And I mean, at this point now, I just look at my call display and I just reject the call immediately. Yeah, it's like, I know you pay that bill when I want. (laughs) <laughs> I don't think that's telemarketing. <laughs> sure it, is. it wouldn't be an episode of What's the Deal if we didn't go into Chris's financial issues. <laughs> Chris, I know you have financial issues, but they are your really issues. are your problems. Yeah, thank um, you. And so it seems like George has kind of smoothed things over with Susan. They come on up, and. Uh, Kramer earlier drank some milk that seems bad. And she's doing her her best, I guess, Katie Lang impression. <laughs> like, I mean, he's surprised later on when she experiments with lesbianism, but I don't know why. Uh, I mean, it's quite an outfit. 
um, which Kramer promptly barfs on. Yeah, I can. I understand that part. Mm-hmm. I actually don't understand that part. How does he not go to the? Sink? How does that? How does that happen? All I this, mean, it's like all this awful suede. I mean. Kramer sees that and just doesn't like all the skeuomorphism of the rich Corinthian leather in her vest. See, what um, people like about our show is the layered jokes. I know. <laughs> I know. You have to be members of so many subcultures to get them all. You know who we just lost as a listener? Scott Forstall. Scott Forstall. <laughs> <laughs> Screw you, Forstall. Um, so well, yeah, in the next Kramer, episode, Susan's going to be wearing her green felt. Dress. I know, right? Yeah, with like nice, with like, like gradients, and some 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 translucent overlays. Um. So yeah, Kramer barfs on Susan. There's a cut. We're in the coffee shop. Jerry and George are there. They're both pretty upset. Susan was going to champion the show, but it seems like it's all over now. Um, then Kramer comes in. We learn that Crazy Joe DeVola came after Kramer. Kicked him right in the head, but he happened to be wearing the helmet he got from Newman. It saved him. Now, He's coming think, after Jerry next. Do you think puking is a deal breaker? Mm, if someone puked, if someone's friend... Like, if if I were in Susan's position, it wouldn't be a deal-breaker. Yeah, I, I feel like it's not actually a deal-breaker. Like, you'd be disgusted, and it would be upsetting, but if you actually believe in this thing, I don't think it would be a deal-breaker. Yeah. I agree. I don't know, it depends. I don't know, it depends on how much she doesn't like puke. <laughs> <laughs> Uh-huh. So so what what are you saying here, Chris? Like what is the range? Like you think she doesn't mind puke that much? No, I'm saying like if you really hate puke, you're gonna cancel that show. But I if you're like, oh The show isn't about Kramer puking on her though. No, I know, but it's either a good show or it isn't. Yeah, but you know, you make that show and you're just you increasing the odds. Again. You're going to get puked on. Again. So, Chris, on a scale of 1 to 10, how yeah. much do you dislike puke? Me? Like yeah, my so... puke or someone else's puke? Well, you didn't specify. It just kind of seems like you just have a puke tolerance level. Whether it be for your own or anyone else's. It's more like I have an alcohol tolerance level. And once you reach that, then puke happens. On a scale of 1 to 10, how much do you dislike puke? I don't know. I mean, um, maybe like a six, maybe like a five. Like I'm kind of indifferent to puke. To so my puke. puke. Yeah, but this is like, but you know, puke on a whole. So not just your puke, like everyone's puke, your puke and everyone else's. <sighs> well, like, like, like on me or just. Like, conceptually. I'm not sure. Like, this is your scale. This is your thing. So I'm just trying to it's, get a sense. I'm going to yeah. say on you, Chris. Okay. On me? On like, you. other people's puke on me? 
You're in yeah. Susan's situation. I'm in Susan's situation. Okay, I'm in Susan's situation. I like that. I'm going to say a three is how much I like that. Patrick, how, how about you? I mean, a zero. I do not want that happening to me at all. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't understand how you could have an scale. I'm also I rating it a zero. I'll just uh, go get a coffee. I feel like it's pretty much a binary thing. I guess yeah. you're either into people puking on you or not. I'm not sure how it could possibly be. A, yeah, a well, I mean, so the monologue here kind of covers on this. If you vomit on someone, there's no recovery, but I don't know. I What? The monologue? Yeah. Patrick, the monologue was about the Amish. Yeah. No, no, at the, the end of the episode. Puke. Was, is they there a little mini? Is there a mini bit that we missed? Right at the right at the end, if he vomit on. Oh, someone, oh, the right. outro. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, it's it it ties into this. If you vomit on someone, there's no recovery. I feel like I feel like that's kind of true. I feel like that is forever going to be a memory. You can't really smooth that one over. Yeah. Now, also at the end of this episode. Why I don't know, I'm vomiting calling... on people, and I'd like to think that they don't remember. Or maybe You're they... You're yourself, Chris. Maybe they enjoyed it about a five. <laughs> They're a little into it. You know, they they were not, like, totally disgusted, but they weren't quite into it. Well, they were Amish. So what were you going to say, Cameron? Pretty exciting uh, for them. How come no one is calling the cops? When Kramer comes in, Joe Davola kicks him in the side of the head... And then threatens to come after Jerry next. Why is the solution for Kramer to put cream in his coffee? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, in the next, in the following episode, that is kind of like part two of this episode. They do try to ask the cop for some help, and he kind of he's not very helpful. So maybe they just do not have that much confidence in the police. I mean, in the Seinfeld universe, it's a pretty safe bet not to have confidence in them, but, you know. Yeah, I don't know. Um, how do you guys feel about this episode? On a whole, pretty funny. Pretty good. You know, I it's, think it's, it's a part of the classic Seinfeld, you know, one of the, the, the more famous story arcs of the early seasons. I think a big improvement from the trip. Yeah. Oh, I agree. the The trip is like a drag compared to this. Yeah, this this just cruised by. I loved it. I just cruised on in and watched the next episode right after I watched this one. Yeah. Choo choo. Um. Yeah. Oh, we're in agreement. It was a good one. Yeah. Yeah. It was great. So, um, let me ask you guys one one more quick question uh, here before we move into other business what did you guys think of the jingle for other business it was good i liked it i thought it was tops i didn't think i was gonna like it but then i did so there you go so we're, we're gonna stick with that song yeah i love it yeah sure what's well, it called uh, well it's a good question it is called 
just in case anybody else wants to, you know, listen to it on their free time. It's Cole Hawkins playing, uh, Cole Hawkins swing for Get Happy or Get Happy. Yeah, I love Cole Hawkins. Yeah, it's uh, from 1943. Yeah. And it's it's delightful. It was a good year for old Hawkeye. <laughs> yeah, it's, it certainly was. Yeah, it was a big breakthrough year for him. Well, and I'm glad that it finally happened for him. Me too. I mean, God knows he needed it. And now we're bringing up the revival. Yeah. Love the revival. Live for the revival. All right, so... Um, as always, as we are about to embark on our adventure into other business, I would like to direct your attention over to whatsthedealshow.com, where you can find all the show notes for today's episode. No picture by the looks of it thus far. And it's debatable. Oh, could be a picture. Mm. Of course, the link to other business, today's topic. And for today's other business, uh, it's just a surprise. It's uh, the much-hated, Chris, right, uh, internet, internet staple of slideshows. And it is a slideshow mm. of what is being purported to be the 12 craziest inventions you've ever seen. I haven't looked at these. I haven't uh, pre-screened it. Okay, all right. Let's go through them one by one. All right. So let's take a look. So number one here, I'm going to full screen this. Uh, number one is a road being cleaned with an improvised tractor with 12 brooms tied onto the rear. This one's a dumb. It's stupid. Moving on. Wait, why is it stupid? Uh, it's not going to work. And dumb it big looks like it, it looks like it's working right there. Yeah, no, you can doesn't. see the dust flying up. Yeah, but it's, it's just going to still be really dirty. And he's just getting that guy's Hyundai dirty. Like, it's terrible. The guy's a jerk. Next right, one. Well, I think you'll like number two. Number flying two motorcycle. is a flying, flying bicycle. Yeah. Uh, it was made in, in the Czech Republic. Yeah. And it's kept aloft by six electrically powered propellers. Now, I'm into this. This guy's awesome. Yeah. Give Patrick, him the prize. Um, I mean, it's pretty good. Look at that thing. I- but how high would it have to fly to be useful? Who cares? I mean, I don't feel like this is being used because it's useful. I feel like it's being used just because it's cool. Yeah, you're a flying cyclist. Hmm. This guy's going to get all the women. All right, so I, don't know about I guess that. we'll go thumbs up, thumbs down. So here, wait, we'll roll it back on thumbs the up. street cleaner. Uh, tractor thumbs with the brooms. Thumbs down, no. Patrick. I'm gonna give it a thumbs up. Nice. Why? Why are you going thumbs up? We heard Chris's thumbs down. Um, I don't know. It just seems like they don't have like a street sweeper that probably costs like a million bucks. He's already got this tractor. You know, add that broom contraption at the end. You got some clean streets. Well, I'm gonna go with the tiebreaker and give it a. It's a tentative thumbs up. Tell us. Yeah, thumbs up. Uh, You know what? It's functional. It's clearly working. 
I feel like street sweepers really don't do all that much in the first place, so why not? Uh, flying bicycle, Chris Young. Yeah, thumbs up, obviously. Thumbs up. Okay. Okay. Patrick. So next. What is this? Patrick. Thumbs up, thumbs up, obviously. I feel like I was pretty clear. Okay. I'm also into it. Number three. So this is a robot that can kick a ball around for robot soccer. Now, I'm going to give this a thumbs down as an invention because it does not do a useful thing. I think it's a good feat of technology and, you know, like robots being good at uh, soccer. Like that's that's quite an achievement, but it's not like a useful invention. So I'm going to give it a thumbs down. Chris? Yeah, thumbs down. This thing sucks. Doesn't even have like a blowtorch or a saw on it. You can't. Yeah, screw it. Uh, I'm also going to go ahead and give it a thumbs down because it looks like I don't have a video, but if it's as slow and as boring as it looks, I don't want to see a field of these things playing soccer. I mean, it's yeah, no. it's a pretty impressive accomplishment, but it's not going to make it on Robot Wars. This, no, is, not, this is not Cassius. No Cassius. <laughs> Number four. Look it up, people. Really number four, number this is four, already so stupid. Looking. Number four is an instant thumbs down. This is a boot <laughs> with. It looks like it's a boot on top of an RC like car, uh, or like RC monster truck. Um, it looks actually. It looks more like instead of a boot, a like a skate where they cut off the blade, uh, and then it's a. It's apparently can propel you faster than a bicycle. But this did you thing read looks, about the inventor? Yeah, this guy, Yo, Yoshihiro Nakamats, claims to invented, have invented the floppy disk. I feel like if it, he claims it, he probably didn't do it. And he ranks himself alongside Archimedes and Marie Curie as one of history's greatest scientists. For that now, alone, this, he's getting a thumbs down. If this shoe could propel you faster than a bicycle, though, would would you try it? I I guess I would try it. It seems a lot less stable than uh, and pleasant than a bicycle, though. A bicycle, you can sit down, you know, kind of relax. This thing is some kind of nightmare boot. It's just awful. Moving on. Yeah, thumbs down. Thumbs down. <laughs> I well, we got twelve of these here. Down. Okay. Thumbs down, indeed. Okay, so uh, number five, a boy uh, using flyboarding. Uh, a flyboard is yeah, a board... Yeah, thumbs up. This is sweet. With shoes awesome. attached to a watercraft that powers yeah. the board to propel the user upwards. This so, dude's basically Mario Sunshine right here. Thumbs up. So there, there have been quite a few videos of this around the internet. And when I read the description the first time, I thought it sounded stupid. But then when I saw it, instant thumbs up. It's amazing. You're basically, it's not a rocket pack, but I feel like it's as close as we're getting for the near future. But do you just shoot out of the water like a dolphin? You can sort of fly around. You can like hover and stuff. But I've seen ones where it's got a backpack, but the one strapped to your feet. I've you seen can that hover? too, yeah. I feel like you can probably do some similar stuff. Okay, well, if you can hover around, thumbs up. If you're just shooting out of the water like a dolphin, definite thumbs down. You have to yeah. be able to go forward and stuff, yeah. Um, Next one. Number six. Oh, yes. Number six, a humanoid robot bartender which prepares drinks. It's Thumbs a- up. Thumbs up. Awesome. Terminator yeah, I mean, gets you a G&T. Good job. It looks, it looks like a real robot 
like, and by that, I mean a science fiction robot. It gives you a drink. It probably says, here you are, sir. Yeah. A gin and tonic. Enjoy. This is amazing. I would yeah, love, I love to see it. this. Thing. He's even got a bow tie. Yeah. Thumbs up. Two thumbs up. It's a classy place, Cameron. Yeah, I'd love this. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, number seven. Uh, it's an air filtration bike uh, for riding your bicycle, uh, I guess, in a smoggy environment. Uh, so the whole this bike, which I don't know how to describe it. It's got an air filter and he looks like an airplane pilot. Uh, by pedaling your bike, it activates a system which, uh, I guess, pulls air pollution out of the air and pumps clean air up into your mask. No, I mean, this guy gets thumbs down. This is what you get for living in freaking Mad Max, man. I mean, I'm going to give it a thumbs up for the same reason. Like, this is something that could be in that book, like, Snow Crash or a William Gibson book or something. Like, he lives in some kind of nightmare, futuristic world where he can't breathe the air. So it's he's built Beijing. this contraption. He's Just built this. Away. He's built this contraption so he can breathe. <laughs> I'm going to give it a thumbs up. I promise you safe passage through the wastelands. Just walk away. I will give this a... Oh, man. I guess I'm giving it a thumbs up because it's functional. And it's better than the robo shoe. But I'm not going to lie. This is... Like, if you... If inventions led to the point where you need this thing... You fail at life. You've, there's there's been some mistakes along the way if this invention was necessary yeah. way to get born in the wrong spot buddy okay moving on chris why why are you in such a rush i kind of like, like 12 of these i think it's We're, more fun to go through them fast yeah i just know that chris has been waiting to hate on something so i'm surprised he's not relishing because it's not like it's it's not it's just too much to i don't know it's late and i'm kind of drunk Number okay. eight is an exercise that uh, powers a blender to make fruit smoothies on the back of bikes. Okay, thumbs down. Especially because this is in the Google office in Toronto. I mean, come on. Google doesn't have electricity. There's no reason for this thing to exist. Also, my problem is the blender is right by this dude's ass. I mean, <laughs> yeah. like it's have just way smoothie. too... He's like exerting himself and everything. Patrick, did you just say a fart smoothie? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Thumbs uh, down. I'm yeah. going to go thumbs down on multiple reasons. One, because there's just no reason for this thing. Number two, he's wearing those stupid shoes where it like, pulls all your toes into separate... So- oh, yeah, awful. those toe shoes. Yeah. Number three, there's like not even close to enough in that blender to share with the rest of the office. And you know what? If he, he was on, like, a farm somewhere with limited electricity and really loved smoothies, I would probably give it a pass. But because he's in the Google office, it's just needlessly stupid. Yeah, it's like, this is what you're doing with your 20% time? You can do this, but you can't save Google <laughs> Reader? Thumbs down. Get out of here. Number Google. nine. Uh, it's uh, the world's first electric tilt rotor aircraft. This looks sick. This looks awesome. Thumbs up. So this looks kind of it looks kind of like a, a jet with two 
big like rotors behind the wings. It looks it looks pretty amazing. It looks like the Osprey. Just just based on how cool it looks, I'm giving it a thumbs up. I have yeah. no idea if this is practical, but it's really cool. I don't even care if it works. It just looks dope. Yeah, thumbs up. Thumb, thumbs up. Thumbs up on aesthetics. Uh, two hot girls. Yep, thumbs up. So what so, is this thing? A uh, number ten. It's an electric bed bike. Uh, so it's kind of like uh, like those kabuki cabs. Instead, in the back, there's a bed. See, they're both smoking, and they both have the freaking ruby slippers from Wizard of Oz, which makes me think they're witches. So thumbs down. Thumbs down for witches. <laughs> I think uh, those are Christian Louboutin shoes. So these. Oh are my god, super... the next one gets the biggest thumbs up ever so, so wait wait Patrick. i want to talk about these this oh. bed bike so these yeah. ladies they're both wearing these extremely expensive designer shoes they're lounging in a bed while this poor guy behind them oh. is cycling them around i'm giving it a thumbs down these ladies are the worst it's awful just skip to the next one you'll be so happy now i'm gonna go ahead and comment on the bed as well Mm. It's a huge thumbs down because I already can't stand those kabuki cab things, and this is even worse. How, how, what sort of person are you that you want to get into this conveyance where you don't even look at the person who's like driving you around, and you lie you, in the back in this like filthy bed? You don't even have the decency to sit up. That's the no. least you can do while someone is transporting you. Thumbs down. I think that this bed is mentioned in, in Revelations. <laughs> Oh my god, just let's move on to the next one because the next one is so good. Alright, number 11. Uh, guitarist Mock of the Zed Machines performs with Japanese pop girl duo Amoyamo during the band's debut live concert in Tokyo. It is a giant oh robot that plays a devil neck guitar and has uh, what looks like cat cable uh, for hair. Okay, the dude is a freaking rock star Terminator with one of those guitars that are like double guitars. And he's just shredding. I mean, he's killing it up there. You can tell. I mean, it does look pretty cool. I'm going to give it a thumbs up. Awesome. Robot guitar player. Looks like or something like Bill and I mean, Ted's. Uh, was this, what's the second Bill and Ted? Bill and Ted's Bogus, Bogus Journey. Journey. It looks like that. Like yeah, this thing is up. just like just 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 replace that Japanese pop girl singer with like George Carlin, and that's that movie. Thumbs up. Yeah. Thumbs up. Thumbs up. All around. Number all twelve. Thumbs up. A giant mechanical what? spider spanning fifteen meters, uh, and seems to have like two, three. I don't know, like twelve puppeteers uh, operating it. Are they playing Wild Wild West while they walk through the streets of <laughs> Liverpool? Because if they are, thumbs up. If not, thumbs down. I mean, this thing is amazing. This Wild is Wild like West. definitely like a supervillain vehicle. Thumbs up. Yeah. This is thumbs down. This thing's so stupid. No, it's amazing. It's just a huge spider. Just a huge spider. Cameron, it it's a it giant doesn't even play a double neck guitar. It's I true. Believe, it doesn't even have a double neck guitar. That's problematic. I can't believe you're giving a giant, uh, giant mechanical spider a thumbs down. 
No, it's awful. I hate it. Yeah, well. Wild Wild West. <laughs> we roll into the Wild Wild West. So, I think we'll uh, say that's enough for other business. <laughs> you know, it was it was an experiment. Uh, you know, I was trying to do something different. It was like uh, being on uh, the hot seat, you know, and you're just having things thrown at you rapidly. I think we know what the lesson is. Never try. <laughs> All right, so uh, I suppose next time uh, we'll we'll just go back to our standard. Uh, One format. thing that I can hate or has an animal in it that I love. No, I thought this right. was fun. I, I thought it was kind of fun too, but uh, you know, Chris is hating on the format. Took too long. Okay, I think Chris needs to go to bed. I That's do. all right because we're wrapping up because next week. I'm happy to tell you, we'll be looking at the next episode, The Pitch. No, The Ticket. Yeah. Do you see why I said that? Because it's a two-parter. The pitch. It's a two-parter. But in syndication, the pitch is pulled apart into two episodes, and the second episode is called The Ticket. Uh, continuing on, Crazy Joe Davola. Well, he's uh, even crazier, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kramer develops an issue as a result of his uh, physical interaction with Joe Davola. Elaine, uh, I believe, returns. Mm-hmm. Elaine's back. No, right she's not back. Oh, right, she's not. She's still um, in Europe. Uncle Leo finds a watch in the garbage. Oh, yeah. And Newman has a speeding ticket. Why, you're too good to say hello? um yeah and that's that's next week's episode Mm -hmm. yeah so as always i'd like to encourage you to uh head over to what's the deal show.com check out all the cool stuff we've got there show notes drawings all the back episodes maybe you're bored and then when you're done you want to get in touch with us? Patrick Armstrong's got the cure for those blues. Mm-hmm. If you're into Twitter, you can follow us on Twitter. You go to twitter.com slash WTD show or just type at WTD show into your Twitter thingamadoo. Uh, if you like Facebook, we're on there too. Just go to facebook.com slash WTD show. You can like us. Um, put stuff on our wall. Uh, yep, do those things. Uh, if you can't keep those things straight, you can go to just go to what's the deal show.com and uh, there are links to those things there. Chris Young, if people want to help us out, you know, what, what can they do? Well, basically, what's going to happen is I'm going to throw up on them and they can tell us whether or not, you know, how much they hate it or not. Is that everything? Yeah. I mean, okay. I guess they can also go to iTunes. But there's very little vomit on iTunes. I'm just... I mean, aside from Curbcast, obviously. So, do with that as, as you will. All right. Well, that's uh, that's a show. So, sure as always, we'd like to say thank you from Christopher Young. Yeah, bye.
Patrick Armstrong. Mm-hmm. And myself, Cameron Wong, thank you very much, and we will be with you again next week. Yeah. You're going to include show. some... Yeah, you're going to include some of that uh, um, pool chit-chat for our pre-roll? Uh, I might. I also am really kind of... You weren't there, Patrick, but there's an amazing chat where Chris Young tries to explain to me how uh, Plato's cave works. <laughs> uh-huh. No, no, see, I got... I knew... I, I had the basic cave thing. I just also tried to explain how it was the same as Star Trek, and it what? fell apart a little bit. Same as Star Trek? Like it's Star Trek is. Uh, I mean, don't for... don't 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 go too far into it. Okay. It's a black hole. Because it makes no sense. It's the same. Also, it's like Plato's cave. Is it like that? One sec. I'm just gonna get my little yeah, USB. Where like you know he's time. trying to explain to them okay. what's going on in the galaxy, and they're just like in their barn. They don't believe. They don't believe the stories of the Enterprise. But I don't think that's what the metaphor of the cave means. Yeah, they're blind, Cameron, and they don't want to face up to reality. That's not how the cave works. Sure, it is. They're in the cave, and there's the shadows and stuff like that. And but that they doesn't. The... They're not blind. Yeah. Okay. Well, the television for the Star Trek isn't gonna like cast shadows. All right. <laughs> okay. So. Explain to me the concept of the cave, because I want to make sure we're on the same page here at the cave. They're in the cave, there's the shadows. You mean, you, you mean explain Plato's cave or the Star Trek cave? Plato's cave. In Plato's cave, they're in the cave, mm-hmm. and there's the shadows. Right. And they think that the shadows are, uh, you know, something that's going on. It's like this really weird thing, and they worship the shadows and stuff like that. But then the one guy gets out and he realizes that they're just they're just projection. They're just they're just shadows being cast in the wall. And there's this whole other world they're not really, really, you know, tuned into. And when he comes back, he tries to explain it, that the, the things that they're like, you know, all obsessed with in the wall are just just shadows. They don't believe him. Mm-hmm. I mean, as I say it, it doesn't have a lot to do with Star Trek. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think they. I don't think they think the people are gods. Isn't the point of the cave is that they're in the cave? They've lived there their whole life, yeah. And then they just accept that what they see is the shadows are the reality. The shadows are the thing. And then when you escape from the cave, it is only then that you're able to discern that they are not the thing. That they are simply the shadow cast by. Maybe they don't, maybe they don't worship the shadows. But then when the guy comes back and explains it, he's like cast out.